Hey everyone, welcome back to the Potter's House, the podcast where we discuss how biblical topics, church life, and current events impact our everyday lives. My name is Marcus Ionescu and I'm your host, and today we're joined by a very good friend and former guest, Mr. Michael Gnachuk. Misha, as how as I like to call you, how's it going today, man? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me back on. Yeah, dude, and thanks for agreeing to do this episode uh, so short notice. Um, as I mentioned when I texted you initially a few days ago, I wanted to be a little more current with the events, a little more relevant to the live audience. But when you do something like that, that requires like immediate response. So like to have you at like such uh, such last minute, uh, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, uh, especially as a topic today where everything is changing day by day. Um, it's good to keep on top of the events. So yeah, thanks for having me on. And the funny thing is, like you said, changing day by day, we're recording this six days before it's going to release. Uh, may, who knows? Maybe the war is over by then. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I'll have right. to like scratch this or like put it as a or kind of revamp it a little bit. But we'll see about that. And uh, for those of you who have not read the title, obviously you clicked on this episode. You read the title. You know what this is going to be about. Uh, but we're going to jump into the episode right after a couple of announcements. Just want to get through them really quick. Uh, first and foremost, you can follow us for any and all updates on our Instagram account at the Potter's House. Uh, that's where we're going to post anything relevant, anything new. Usually the episodes, you can go to the highlight section and see the Spotify links to every single episode, or you can see the previous guests, whatever you want to do. We'll have the clips there as well, just to spark your interest if that interests you. Uh, as far as streaming goes, we're streamed on multiple platforms, most notably Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And uh, for those of you who have listened to this before, you know that you can leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. And on Apple Podcasts, you can also leave a written review, which really helps with the exposure of the show. So uh, if you guys left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and have not done it on Spotify yet, I'd really appreciate it just because it does, like I said, help with the exposure of the show. And all iPhone users, you guys all have that podcast app for free. So that is accessible to you if you would like to do that. So... That's that. Wanted to keep that intro pretty short. Um, as you guys already know, we are talking about the uh, Ru- Russian-Ukrainian conflict that is happening in Eastern Europe right now. And um, just as a short disclaimer, uh, you know, Misha and, I, Misha and I are not experts regarding this situation. Uh, he is by far more knowledgeable uh, than I am regarding this conflict, but. Uh, don't take what we say as scripture. This is just our perspective, especially coming from Christians, uh, as far as what to do and how to react to such a tragic situation. Um, but we are going to get a little speculative on some situations just because, like I said, there's conspiracies out there. There's good information. There's false information. There's a lot of background, a lot of tension, a lot of history between the two countries. So uh, if don't, do not get upset or angered by the mild speculations we're going to make just because we're trying to be as relevant as possible, but as sensitive to the issue, and we're not trying to step on anyone's toes, okay? So uh, just be mindful of that as you listen to this episode. Um, but before we jump right in, uh, Misha, why don't you uh, explain, like, your because I know a lot of people, I, people like me who have been ignorant, I think uh, as of like a year and a half ago, before then, I didn't really distinguish the Ukrainians and the Russians just due to my ignorance and my lack of knowledge and I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
but I remember whenever I when I whenever I called a Ukrainian person Russian, they would always correct me because there is a distinct difference. And um, I think it took me like three times of hanging out with you to finally understand that you are in fact Ukrainian, not Russian. Um, but why don't you uh, kind of explain uh, your heritage, your ethnicity, like from your parents' side? I know you got a like a like a Romanian tie in there too, uh, just so we can understand like your perspective looking in on on this uh, topic. Yeah, sure. Um, so I before I get into that, actually, I kind of want to add to that disclaimer. Uh, sure, that you, go ahead. Uh, that you said at the beginning. Um, I want everyone to, to kind of like understand because I know most of the people that will be listening to this are from Romanian descent, but there may be some, you know, Slavic people, Ukrainian, Russian people listening to this as well. Um, I know how sensitive and passionate people uh, can get. And this is a pretty pretty in, in, inclusive topic since pretty much the whole world is kind of watching at what's going to happen. Um, if there's one thing that people should understand from our conversation today is that um, I'm not trying to prove one side or the other, kind of like what you said. Uh, we will get speculative, uh, but I'll try to keep everything as presentable uh, as possible and just kind of lay out the things that are happening. Um, you know, I don't, whatever I say, you know, it's not, I'm not supporting Russia and what they're doing. Um, and I'm not taking a side of, you know, saying Ukraine, you know, is, is doing this the best or whatever. Like, you know, I'm just trying to uh, keep everything presentable so everybody can understand, like, what's the situation and whatever conclusions you want to make from that, that's fine. Uh, but in the second half of the conversation, we'll get into the, the actual more important topic. Uh, so to get to my background. Uh, yeah. So like you said. Uh, there is a difference between Ukrainians and Russians. Uh, actually, I would say maybe some people or most people in the world don't even understand that there is a difference. Um, technically speaking, the Ukrainian language is about 60 to 65 percent similar to Russian. So, yes, the majority, at least 50 percent is similar, but there are some pretty, um, pretty uh, like differences uh, in the two languages. Um, and also to note, uh, most Ukrainian people, and this is because of the Soviet Union, most Ukrainian people understand Russian. Uh, the opposite is not true. So mo most Russians do not uh, understand Ukrainian, but most Ukrainians do understand or like because of the Soviet Union and, you know, how, how they learned in school and because the two languages are similar. Uh, it kind of retains with them. So yeah, I'm in, I'm indeed of, in fact, of Ukrainian heritage. Uh, both of my parents uh, come from Ukraine actually. Um, but because of where my parents are from, and actually if your listeners want to like take a look at a map throughout this episode, cause I'll be talking about some geography as well, uh, might be pretty interesting uh, to, or handy to have that out. So my mom is from uh, Kiev which is the capital, which I'm sure almost everyone knows because they talk about it nonstop. Um, Kiev, the Russian pronunciation, or Kiev in, in Ukrainian. Um, in fact, some people will actually get, uh, they'll get angry over uh, the way you pronounce it. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, she's from there. She was uh, uh, born and raised. So uh, she grew up speaking Russian, Ukrainian. And my dad is actually from uh, Chernovtsi, which is on the border of Romania and Ukraine. Or uh, actually, in Romanian, they have a, a name for it, Chernovts. 
um, because a lot of people in that area are ethnically Romanian. Uh, and that, that area used to be called Bukovina before the 1950s. So around World War II, uh, they actually split it, Stalin and whoever the leader of Romania was at the time. Uh, one side would become uh, Ukrainian with Chernovce or Chernovce being the main uh, city. And then the other half uh, with the main city being uh, Suchava. So Suchava and Chernovce were you know, both part of Bukovina. They're the most populous uh, cities. So my dad grew up uh, speaking Romanian, and uh, which was actually his first language in, uh, in Russian. So that is my background. Um, as I mentioned in the previous episode, um, and just as a refresher for people who don't remember, uh, I go to a pretty small uh, Russian-speaking uh, church here in the suburbs of Chicago uh, because we have a lot of people that are from actually different parts of the republics of the Soviet Union. Um, you know, we have Ukrainians, we have Russians, we have Belarusians, uh, we have Moldovians, you know, so we have, we have people from different types and all of them, you know, just grew up speaking Russian. That's what they do. Um, so that's why our church is Russian. Now we do have another church here, uh, that is Ukrainian speaking, because uh, most people, uh, from that church are from the Western part. And those are the people that, you know, mainly, you know, grew up only speaking Ukrainian or only want to, um, and I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later too. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's my background. Yeah. And it's interesting to think because, uh, you know, because you're, you're Ukrainian, but then you go to the Russian speaking church, but then it's not like a Russian church. It's more of like a Slavic church that has, uh, members from, like you said, different parts of the Soviet union. You got the Belarusians, you got the Moldovians. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, interesting to think because a lot of people, like I said, myself included a lot of people are don't understand uh like the nuance between these small countries that surround russia that were at one point part of the soviet union uh, mm-hmm. pre-1991 um but that no that's that's pretty interesting um obviously we're talking about the ukraine russian conflict right now that's 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 currently happening um but obviously this is this is not news this is not something that that is new uh, that is, this is something that most people, especially in, in the news network, uh, if it, mo- most of these, I guess, I don't want to call them shallow, but historians typically go back to the early 20th century uh, at the Russian Revolution when, when the Tsar and his family w- were, were killed and, uh, and then kind of almost gave birth or paved the way for the communist regime to get established mm-hmm. with Lenin and then eventually... Uh, going forward after that um, but I but but this conflict has been going on for and I, and I just listened to a podcast uh, the podcast name is actually uh, the theology pug cast and it's uh, it's a mm-hmm. Christian guys they got a this Christian historian this professor to come on and he talked about the history between uh, Russia and Ukraine uh, for the last thousand years since the Vikings came from from Scandinavia into into Russia and then how the the, the even the the word Rus came from the the origin of that of that uh, of their word. Um, so why don't why don't we let's talk about that? I know you've got something prepared to, uh, over there regarding the the history of the conflict. I'm not sure how far uh, back you're going to go, but how did when did this start? We're, we're, and obviously we'll we'll be as general and non biased as possible. But uh, from from your research, uh, when did this all begin? Yeah. So actually, like you said, uh, I, I'm I'm nowhere near probably as expert as that guy uh, on that podcast who's a historian. Uh, But 
you know, I, I, I look into this a lot and, and history was one of my fortes in school. And I liked reading about a lot. Uh, it, you know, it interest, uh, my, uh, you know, my, my skills or whatever. Uh, I really liked it cause it, it, and how they lived and kind of the evolution of, of how our world is today. Right. Cause you know, there's that saying that, you know, those who don't, um, who don't know history or pay attention to history are destined to repeat it. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so history, history is actually very important and, um, yeah, we're, we're going to get into it cause it is, it is important a little bit just to understand, uh, like why this conflict is happening. Right. Um, yeah. And kind of like you said about the Vikings, uh, actually it was like in the eight, eight, eight hundreds, actually, uh, the Vikings and, uh, King Rusik, actually one of the Vikings came and basically settled that area, which is, um, Ukraine, uh, Russia up to the North, up to like, uh, like the Finland area. So it was like, mm -hmm. that it was kind of like this corridor. Um, so yeah. Uh, and that gave rise to a, a, you could say a federation uh, or a feudal state called Kievan Rus, which both Ukraine and Russia find their origins in. So uh, pretty much the beginning of that history till now, you know, you ask Russian historians or Ukrainian historians, they'll tell you opposite sides, you know, like basically Ukraine, it was all, all used to be Ukraine and it's full Ukrainian. And then Russian historians will say, oh, well, it's actually Russia, because, you know, it's Kiev and Rus. And then um, the Ukrainians will say, well, Kiev was the capital, actually, of Kiev and Rus. Um, I, I don't want to get into that into that argument or debate. But uh, basically, you just have to know that they both stem their origins from that uh, initial federation. And over the years, over hundreds of years, actually, uh, that area has had been taken over and fought over uh, by, like, I don't know. I, I don't know the exact number, but it's about 20 to 30 different nationalities, tribes, peoples over hundreds of years. Right. You have uh, you had the, uh, you know, the the empire of Lithuania, Austro-Hungarian. Uh, you have the, the Polish empire, uh, which the Polish and the Russians have been fighting for a long time, actually, because the Polish people are um, predominantly Catholic and the Russians are Orthodox. So mm -hmm. they had a religious war as well. So uh, that's a different part um of history um but yeah i mean the, that land actually has been fought over so many different times um and then you have even the mongolians with the great horde um pretty much taking over both the russia and the ukraine part um so it, it it's kind of hard to just say that one is purely ukrainian or purely russian uh, it's not really true um you know, people can do their own research or history or look into that. Um, but, you know, there, there's no such thing as a pure Russian or a pure Ukrainian just because it had influence of many different types of peoples and all that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's pretty much where the uh, the the history comes from. Um, I want to get a little bit into the geography and why it's important. Um, I don't know if you have anything else to add with the history or if you want to talk about no, let's you know, let's go on uh, the geography i think that'll, that'll be good all right so the geography is actually very very important that's in western europe and and um eastern eastern europe up to like the moscow uh, of russia um so basically 
in Germany, starting from probably the coast in the North Sea, like uh, around Hamburg, um, up until Moscow and the north regions of Russia, uh, there's a certain region called uh, the, the European Plains. And basically, uh, all this land has been fought over for you know hundreds of years, thousands, uh, World War One, World War Two, and it all comes after after World War Two, uh, when something called NATO, uh, which was created. So as you know, NATO was created as uh, the purpose specifically to fight back against the Soviet influence and aggression. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. They did tie in, you know, uh, Germ- uh, Nazi Germany in there as well. Yeah, but, like basically any empire that would go too strong and basically to prevent it a measure to protect the the small the other countries that are in it. Yeah, correct. Exactly. Exactly. Um, not Nazi Germany had been defeated at that point, so it was it was a little bit more geared towards Soviet Russia. But uh, both of them were actually were, were in there as well. Um, so Ukraine was part of the Soviet Union until it fell in 1991. Um, the big thing about NATO was uh, as countries began to, to join over the years, uh, it started to grow in influence, you could say, in Western Europe. Uh, so Germany, some of the original members, I think Denmark, um, France, the United States, uh, some, you know, a, a couple of different countries. Um, and over the years, as more and more countries start to join, uh, it started to bring more, you could say, influence closer and closer to Russia. Um, now, NATO or Ukraine had not been a part of NATO uh, for two specific reasons. Um, and I'm only talking about this because this is pretty much the precursor, the, the reason why kind of this whole war started. Uh, and again, I say, I'm just laying out, you know, some facts here. I'm not, I'm not saying one side or another, just as a reminder to the people who are listening. Um, Ukraine was also was always seen as a buffer, pretty much between uh, Russia and Ukraine, because geographically, if you look uh, at the map, if you can see Germany going to Moscow, uh, uh, Europe kind of creates like this, um, like kind of like this cone shape, you know. So as more and more countries start to go from west to east, it kind of starts to create more of this. Uh, a larger and larger region, which basically from the perspective of Russia meant that it needed more uh, more troops or needed um, more more resources in order to to fend off any attack that may come from the West. Right. That may come from us. Not that it did. But uh, and so it started to grow and grow. That puts more pressure on them because. Uh, you have Poland, then you have Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, all those countries on the north down to, you know, Austria, Hungary, Romania, down to the south, to the Black Sea. And that kind of creates this cone shape that uh, pretty much uh, doesn't allow uh, Russia to uh, to to uh, uh, defend its borders um, or put more influence. Um, So that's the geography. And if you see Ukraine is pretty much that transition uh, because on the very western edge, you have the Carpathian Mountains, which, mm-hmm. you know, stem all the way down into Romania and go down central Romania. But the Carpathian Mountains actually hits the very uh, west end corner of uh, Ukraine, um, kind of like on the border of like Hungary, Slovakia and Poland, right around that region. Um, 
And pretty much after all that, Ukraine is pretty much a flat, pretty much a flat country. Uh, so after that, it's pretty easy to move troops or any other resources through that because you don't have any mountains or uh, or any other large uh, landscape, um, uh, you could say characteristics that are preventing troops or anything from movement. Uh, Ukraine's kind of known for, if you actually look at the uh, what the flag stands for, it's uh, blue on the top, which means the, the bright blue sky, and the yellow is uh, the, the fields of wheat because literally that's what they're known for, all this wheat, uh, because they're, it's a pretty flat, flat country. Um, so that's how geography is important. Basically, Ukraine, and that's why all these countries were fighting over Ukraine, um, because geography was so important to them. Um, so you said Ukraine was the buffer between Russia and who the, these these neighboring countries. Is that what you were saying? Pretty much the, the West, Western Europe, yeah, because Western you know you, you you have the Alps and then you have the Carpathians and all these you know different mountain regions. Uh, but pretty much after that, uh, you know, all of Ukraine is pretty much uh, flat and uh, wheat uh, with uh, different different types of agriculture. You know, so there would be no natural prevention from. Uh, of of you know preventing any troops getting to to the eastern country with you know to Russia. So then you mentioned that one of the, you said you said there were two things. One of the things was the buffer. So so uh, why so why wh- how would it benefit Russia to do what they're doing now? Um, how how would that benefit them regarding this issue about the the buffer between the the, the western countries? Yeah, so the the buffer that's uh, that's just kind of like the the uh, one of the causes. Um, the The real reason why Ukraine hadn't joined NATO up until this point is there were two uh, there's two conditions for countries, or at least one of the two condi- conditions for countries to join NATO. Right, one of them is um, that you need to have a stable country, basically a stable free market economy that's free of corruption. So over the years, um, over the past 20 years, Ukraine, I, I don't know if you know this, but Ukraine's actually struggled a lot with corruption in politics. Um, even the, I'll say even the, even the current administration has mm-hmm. had its past. I don't want to get into that because somebody might get angered, but oh, it, it's just will. a fact, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's every government, you know, Pretty much every government has been involved in corruption. To what extent, you know, that's that's up to countries for countries to decide. But um, but yeah, they've they've been involved in a lot of corrupt and corruption, uh, unstable economy uh, because of a lot of different business deals between countries, between uh, high influence people around the world. Um, the second reason is, and this is kind of the main important reason why Ukraine had not joined NATO up until this point. Is because of energy, and I'm sure if you're, you know, watching the news or anyone that they talk about this a lot. Uh, so basically, Russia supplies about 35 percent of uh, all of the energy consumption of Western Europe. So Russia really? supplies, yeah, about 30 35 percent of energy to Western Europe. With Germany, um, in terms of just natural gas, Germany. It imports about 50% of its natural gas from Russia. Mm. So you can see there's a high, high um, 
dependency on Russian Russian gas, Russian energy. So now, that includes Ukraine, right? They're they're dependent on the Russian. Is that what you're saying on the Russian resources? Now it it, it does depend on Ukraine. It, Ukraine does depend on it, but more of a reason is the uh, the gas pipelines that go from Russia to Western Europe. There's two main uh, pipelines that are on land that go to Western Europe. One of them is in Ukraine. The other one is in Belarus. Mm. So you can see that Ukraine obviously is a very important feature for the pipeline. Now, uh, Russia built uh, Nord Stream 1, which is another gas pipeline, but it actually it's built on the bottom of the Baltic Sea and it goes straight to Germany. Uh, and uh, maybe you heard about this too, but they just built a second one, Nord Stream 2, uh, that they literally just finished building, uh, but they didn't open up yet because this war just, just started. Um, so basically that's been an important, important part. Um, and when Russia sends its gas to Western Europe, uh, Ukraine charges like a transportation fee, basically that it's something like $2 billion a year, something like that, um, for the gas to flow. Now, again, there's a lot of dispute through there, like, you know, Russians stealing or Russia accuses Ukraine of stealing gas. Ukraine accuses Russia of, you know, lying to them about how much gas is, you know, all this other stuff. And I'm not going to get into that, but that's kind of the geopolitical uh, situation uh, that's going on right now. So Russia has been very adamant about any sort of influence uh, of Western Ukraine or any countries of NATO uh, that want to come in because as you get closer and closer to Russia, obviously they're feeling the pressure, right? So uh, a lot of the countries actually, uh, Western countries, uh, US, Germany, um, Italy, they've actually been secretly against Ukraine joining NATO because they knew if Ukraine joined NATO, that would be a huge, huge, basically slap trigger. in the face to Russia, yeah. mm -hmm. trigger, and that will cause a huge energy crisis, which, like I said, Germany gets 50% of, uh, of its gas from Russia. So historically, that's been kind of the reason of what's going on. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of the geography and kind of going up in today, I am um, jumping the gun a little bit. Uh, but basically, yeah, that's that's a geographical yeah. importance. And what I've what I've heard, and this is what um, the uh, the historian said. Uh, historian mentioned that Ukraine, like you mentioned, the field of wheat is home to uh, one of the most not not only the most fertile land in in Europe, probably, but one of the most fertile soils in the entire world. Funny thing is, I told uh, one of my Romanian family members and. Uh, he respond as soon as I told him that he's responded is like, yeah, they that's okay, but uh, but Romania has great stuff too. You know, it's they always bring it back to Romania. It's like <laughs> yeah, you can yeah, never right. win, you can never win. But but it is true, like you mentioned, the field of wheat. Um, and, and since we're on the topic of uh, you know, the geopolitical issues, do you think Ukraine's natural resources also had a part to play uh, in this current crisis? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um. Actually, collectively, Russia and Ukraine, uh, because they have a large amount of wheat um, farms and they export a lot, collectively, those two countries 
compose something like 40 or 50% of the wheat production for the entire world. Mm. The entire world. And that, that, that goes to show about uh, Ukraine's resource because Russia, I would say eva- like more than 50% of Russia is what, ice? It's Siberia. It's, it's cold. It's yep, not fertile. Yep. Right, exactly. And, and that's where a lot of the natural gas and oil reserves are. Mm-hmm. Um, Russia does have the largest amount of gas reserves known uh, out of any country in the whole world. Um, now, some of those oil and gas reserves are kind of hard to harvest uh, because, like you said, they are on the north side, kind of like uh, in the icy region. Uh, but they do have the most amount and quantity. Uh, but yeah, just just alone, the, the wheat production is like something of 40% for the entire world uh, for them too. Now, and it, we can talk about resources. I am jumping the gun a little bit here. But the reason also, um, there's something called shale gas deposits. I don't know if you've heard that. But basically, it's another form of these hydrocarbons that get extracted for, you know, for gas. This type of resource is a lot more, is a lot easier to harvest than your typical crude oil or, or gas uh, because it comes from these rocks that are kind of closer to, uh, to the surface of the earth. Now, it's interesting why people think like, you know, the Donbass region, uh, the Donbass, uh, eastern part, Lugansk, Donetsk. The thing is, those regions actually have a large amount of shale gas resources as well, along with mining. So, you know, this is not just like territorial of peoples and all that, but this does have to do with resources um, and energy and how that affects geopolitical uh, uh, relationships. So basically, Ukraine actually has a lot uh, on the eastern part in the the Donbass region. Uh, The western part, kind of close to the Carpathians, and also in the Black Sea, just south, uh, southwest of Crimea. Uh, so again, kind of uh, close to the border of Romania. So they have all those um, uh, reserves over there. So that, that, that's another that thing that gets thrown into this mix. Um, so yeah, I mean, it would be very beneficial for any country to have you know, control of that, of, of, the, of those resources. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because we can... Uh... Like we're talking about these these things objectively, and we understand why there is conflict. Um, there's, I mean, there's conflicts all the time between every country, between their neighboring countries and other world powers. Um, and and I I can see I can see why both countries would be upset at one another for for a variety of different reasons, or the West with the East and vice versa. Um, but at the same time, and I'm not going to speak super i don't want to be judgmental here because i mean the united states is implicated a lot in the middle east and there's a lot that happens as well that we don't know um or that is kind of twisted in a way that makes us seem like the heroes and i don't want to be ignorant of that fact yeah. uh because there's obviously collateral damage whenever, whenever there is some political war there's always collateral damage and it's so unfortunate to see that um, there are civilians that are suffering the consequences mm-hmm. um, of of the political uh, conflict that's going on. Um, but w- w- what's your what's your opinion on that? Um, where do you like as far as like drawing the line? Because uh, we we all agree that that there's like I said conflict on both sides, and there's reasons to be upset on both sides. But what's mm-hmm. your, what's your opinion on the actual um, 
I guess, violence, if I can call it, the actual uh, warfare. Yeah, so the, uh, that that uh, that's getting into like the last uh, the last part of uh, the topic that I wanted to speak on before uh, before the actual the what I want to talk about, which is the spiritual side of things. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, my opinion, I mean, it's, you know, you, you just look at things that are happening. It's like, you know, civilians and people are dying. It's like, you know, innocent people. Um, obviously that's, I mean, that's never a good thing. That's never justified. Right. Um, but I, I want to propose something and say that, um, there are two. There are two sides, and there are two things that can be true at the same time, uh, meaning they aren't mutually exclusive. So, at the same time that um, Putin is is doing all these things, invading a country, um, killing innocent people and civilians, right? At the same time, uh, the other side is not all holy itself as well, you know, and. And if I can put it in this way, um, and this is just kind of like what I've been observing a lot about this, there's something a lot more deeper that is happening in this conflict, conflict slash war, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's so easy for us to uh, to kind of like look at these things and think and just have like a visceral reaction and think, mm -hmm. wow, Putin is like such a bad guy. Like, look at him. He's terrible. And like, I'm definitely not excusing the things that he's he's doing, right? I mean, he's he's definitely an authoritarian, you know, in terms he's of a dictator, his, yeah. Is a presidency and like everything that he's done, it 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 doesn't line up with the democratic uh, model of the Western countries, right? It just it, it's definitely not the same, and all the things that he's doing. And by democratic, you mean democracy, because I know democratic is kind of Democrats a very uh -huh. trigger word in, in our culture. Just to yeah, kind of clarify, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, democracy. Western democracy, yeah, Western democracy, yeah, yeah. There, there you go. Um, it, it it's important to think logically about these things uh, instead of reacting emotionally, um, because when we're in a in a sense of high emotions, uh, our capacity to reason diminishes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Say and that I one more time, man, for the people in the back. Say that one more time. <laughs> so basically, <laughs> when we're in a state of high emotions, our capacity to reason diminishes. Amen to that. And, and so that's why it's so important to understand that emotions are actually not bad. You know, it, it, it kind of it's kind of the the uh, the distinguishing mark that you're a human and not just a robot and you just follow something, you know, logically you know, you know, like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. But the thing is, we have to acknowledge that sometimes the emotions can cloud the judgment and our rationale, right? And I've been, and I've seen a lot of this, right? And, and, and I'm not trying to point anyone out or anything here. I'm just saying, I've seen a lot of it, both sides, whoever you are, right? And it's kind of like, we need to understand that there's something much, much deeper than what we're seeing on the media, on these social media posts. There's something that is much deeper working at play here. And we have to open our eyes um, logically and also spiritually in order to see what's going on. Um, basically, what this war is, is... Uh, if you think about these Eastern countries that care about all these resources like Russia... Uh, China, Iran, North Korea, 
uh, these are nationalist countries, right? All they mm-hmm. care about is their own country. And in fact, you know, Russian country, you know, Putin only cares about Russia and his foreign policy is, you know, anyone else I can take over or whatever, you know, like protect myself, protect my country. Right. That that that's what he says. Um, that, that's all I'm saying. This is drastically compared or contrasted with the Western countries that take a globalist uh, approach to these things. Right. And, and this is not really a point that you're going to hear a lot of people say, Um and trust me, this is not like some sort of like, you know, conspiracy theory or anything. But if anything we've seen in the last couple of years with, you know, the seed disease and all these things that have happened in the last couple of years, you kind of I have to understand and, and think like, why are all these things happening? Right. You think, OK, like, the, does the government really care about you as a person? Right. Do they really care about your full well-being? I mean, overall, the controversy that, you know, COVID's whatever has, you know, produced and everything. And you kind of think of the situation now. This is pretty much this is pretty much the 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 globalist part of the world fighting against the nationalist part. And I'm here to tell you that neither side is good. They're both evil. These are just two different evils that are fighting each other. And I think we have to understand that because when people when people read the news, it's so easy just to look at one side and say, oh, this, this person, one side is bad and that's bad. And it causes you to be uh, to kind of go into that mentality that the other side wants you to be, which is, you know, either the side you don't support or do support. But I would go even deeper and say that's exactly the way that the devil wants you to think. He wants you to think that there's only one portion bad to distract your mind from seeing that there's something that's much deeper at play here, right? Mm-hmm. You think of like, why are all these countries all of a sudden getting together? And like the Swiss bank, the Swiss banks, why are all of a sudden they were neutral for years, tens, hundreds of years. And all of a sudden they're putting sanctions on, on Russia. It's like, all these countries are getting together, and this is just my personal opinion. This is basically the way that the globalist uh, agenda is going to be brought upon people. And I, I just want to do one more point on that. If you're uh, familiar with the World Economic Forum, the WEF, have you heard about that? Basically, mm-hmm. it's the it's the economic um, uh, collective of the, the all the big wigs you could say investors bankers of countries that get together and have kind of have like this coalition and it's headed by this guy named klaus schwab and if you he's kind of the one who coined the term the great reset if you've heard of that before um basically the the world that we're living in before covid that world doesn't exist anymore yep that 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 world is long gone and you can see this with, you know, like all the restrictions being uh, being lifted and all of a sudden, uh, you know, seven, six months before an election, you see, oh, all of a sudden COVID's over. You know, it's like, well, you see all these studies that are coming out with the younger kids, you know, like, you know, the, the, the V is not as effective and actually has negative effects. Um, I don't want to get into that. But basically, he told he himself, this guy from the World Economic Forum, told people that the world that we live in is not the same anymore. 
And we need the, or he sees the need for a great reset, which is basically uh, resetting the entire economic system of the entire world in order to get it uh, together as one uh, coalition of global elites or global globalists. He, he sees it from the perspective that, oh, we need to be more interconnected. But that's the thing. This is what this whole this whole crisis and war is about. It's about these globalists that are fighting the nationalists, and Ukraine is just caught in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not either or. And and that's the thing that people need to understand. It's like it's so easy to just feed into that that political sense and be like, you know, everything that the media shows. But like, listen, there's something that's a lot a lot deeper here. And you think, why does why did during like you know Obama's presidency did Putin uh, go into Crimea and now under Biden Putin is actually in Ukraine but under Trump he didn't do anything because Trump was secretly you could say secretly or out loud actually against the globalists and mm-hmm. so he f- he found commonality with Putin on that I'm not saying that we're on the same side as Putin I- I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that these are the two sides that are that are fighting each other. And we as Christians have to understand that because we can't take sides in what is going on right now. So it's crazy because you just I mean, you, you didn't open a can of worms. You just opened a whole like refinery <laughs> of worms right now, because this right now, I mean, has so many implications because one thing mm-hmm. we can understand is the globalist world is the world of the end times. We understand that, right? right? I, yep, so yep, the reason yep. why, so nationalist, even though that's not a good thing, back in the day, nations were nationalists. They, they, they would fight against each other. Um, I mean, Israel was an, a nationalist country. They would, they would, God would go and tell them to go defeat, defeat these guys, w- kill all the men, take all the resources. It was very much nationalist. And now as we're going, um, thousands and thousands of years in the future, nationalists, because of um, certain regimes like, uh, you know, the Nazis and the Soviet Union and all these empires that were violent, um, are being demonized. So they're promoting their globalist agenda. Now, what did COVID do with this? How, how, how is this relevant? Well, one thing, it allowed people to, um, like, like you said, apply restrictions without questioning so people weren't allowed mm-hmm. to question and the people who were questioned hey guess what now we got cancel culture and guess what what happens right right when and i'm not trying to be like a super hyper conspiracy theorist but it's it's literally on the front page it's all right there now what happens in the middle of covid while everyone's shut down you have the george floyd thing now you're polarizing race now you have a common leader trying to bring everyone together and then you have uh this 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 uh, socialist Democrat wave that is going through America. And like you said, it's been decades happening where America is defining everyone's battles. They're defending this. They're demonizing the nationalists. And now this whole thing with this uh, now through COVID, after two years of restrictions of people not working and the government uh, uh, paying people off, uh, inflation rising, people going out of business. Uh, now, I mean, I just read today that uh, that Biden wants to give uh the administration wants to propose like giving $12 billion to, to, or 10 billion to Ukraine and then 22 billion to the COVID aid relief. Like the economic system is crumbling. And now because of this, you have this WEF, the economic reset, which will establish what in a global economy, which guess what? 
that I mean front page revelation right there. And what happens mm-hmm. when? And the thing is, what happens with what happened with all these regimes that that thought socialism was good? They were okay for a little bit then, but the problem is it gave too much power to one individual, and that mm-hmm. one person stood up. So then you're going to have this globalist regime, this global economic system that was paved uh, through COVID and through this war. And now, guess what? If you speak against it, I mean, look, look like you just mentioned, the Swiss bank sanctioning uh, w- w- with uh, Russia, Russia. Uh, and everyone's cutting them off. I mean, they're, re- they're, they're literally Russia was removed from FIFA. Like they're, they're cutting them yep. off. And, w- and what is this? This is not that relevant. I mean, it's relevant now, but it won't be relevant too much in the future. But what mm-hmm. is it establishing? It's establishing a precedent that once mm-hmm. we are a, a globalist world, as soon as you speak out against it, guess what? You're cut off. I just saw this post on Instagram today that um, I forgot what it's like certain Russians were being cut off from using Google Pay, Apple Pay, all this stuff, mm-hmm. which is implying that, hey, once we go cashless, which which is the direction that we're going into, mm-hmm. especially yep. if you have a global economy, you're going to have uh, a coin, some some common coin between all of us, as soon as you disagree with their agenda, what are they going to do? They're going to cut you off. Mm-hmm. And then somewhere, somehow, the mark of the beast is going to be incorporated in all of this. And yep. if you don't take it, guess what? They're going to cut you off and you're not going to have access to it because you're you're going to be considered a, a rebel and you're going to be demonized. And that's what's going to happen to Christians. Boom, we just solved we just solved yeah. the world's greatest <laughs> mystery. But it's happening right in front of us and a lot of us don't realize that. It's, there's so much deeper than than what we're seeing. Yeah, and and and... Yeah, pretty much everything you said is like right on the money too. It's like you're, it's almost like they're training you to do something and say, mm-hmm. oh, this is bad. That person's bad. That country's bad. Even though it may be true, regardless, you're being, it's, it's being trained so that the people who don't conform or at least have some sort of questions and think, okay, like, like maybe let's talk about this or, what's really going behind immediately you get ostracized and that's mm-hmm. identity politics at its core. Right. Yep. And the only reason I'm talking about this is because it's relevant to us because this is like you said, happening be- before our eyes and a lot of Christians don't even realize it. Right. It's like, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I love, I love, I love my country, America, as much as any other person. Right. I love my, you know, heritage country, Ukraine as, as much as anyone else. Right. And, but the thing is, it's like you're being it. This this kind of like blindness uh, that is put over our eyes. Um, it, it, it's getting harder day by day and year by year as it passes in order for the gospel to be shared. Right? Like mm-hmm. I, I I don't know about you personally, but like for me, like you know, uh, just like you know, five ten years ago versus today, it's it it's kind of hard to talk about people. Uh, about you know spiritual things about the gospel just here in America right now, let alone like missionary uh, it's every single day it's gonna and unfortunately there's gonna be a day where it won't you won't have the possibility to repent uh, because of all these things that are gonna happening uh, with the mark of the beast finally coming full fledged and force uh, in our society right and I'm just like I, I I it's it's hard for me to see Christians that are being fed this lie. And going into this, you know, like I said before, like, you know, these things aren't mutually exclusive. They, they're true at the same time, but understand what is actually happening here. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, it, it's crazy. Uh, it, once you finally do research and look into it and see what's happening, it's kind of like, man, it's it, it's not so black and white as as you think it is, you know. 
No, and unfortunately, this this uh, movement, every all these precedents that they're set, setting, uh, is brainwashing a lot of. I don't want to call them Christians, but a lot of people, a lot of churchgoers yeah. who have the yeah, title of Christian. Mm-hmm. And now you have this, and I mentioned this in a previous episode. You have this new cult because I can call them a cult. It's they're called ex-evangelicals. Um, oh yeah, so evangelical. But they're former evangelicals, and and the reason why they break off is because. Um, I mean, a lot of social issues that developed uh-huh. over the last two years of everything that happened. Mm-hmm. And then um, basically them being more inclusive. And, and what is inclusivity? It's it's the globalist agenda. Because mm-hmm. exclusivity mm-hmm. is the is the, uh, is the the nationalist agenda. Inclusivity is the globalist agenda. And if you're not yeah. inclusive, you don't want to be a part of it all. And the pop, dude, we see there have been movies that have been made for the last 20, 30 years that mm-hmm. highlight this, where you're part of some perfect utopian system and yep. you're trying to break the code and then everyone's nice to you at first and then they, they turn into villains and what like like we've been paving the way for this but we yeah. just haven't been seeing it so yeah. i mean we're yeah. gonna face the repercussions um but dude i love this tangent that we went on because it's it's <laughs> it's relevant it's important and it's 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 not only relevant for now but it's relevant for the future obviously this war had a start date it's gonna have an end date but right. I mean, the future is is upon us. It's gonna, it's this stuff is gonna happen, and it's continuing to happen. But yeah. um, I know we talked about the conflict. I know our, our, the 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 next part is talking about the spiritual aspect, and I want to get into that because uh-huh. I think it's just as important, if not more important. Um, so spiritually, obviously, we're not politicians for the most mm-hmm. of us. There's, I, I'm not gonna, I can't get a petition of a thousand signatures and, and send it to the White House and and tell them what to do because that's unrealistic it's not going to happen you can't really do anything as far as we as christians who live in a first world country where our for the most part our our religious freedoms are still protected and we're not being attacked and we're pretty much guarded by some of the best military resources if not the best in the world um what can we do what should be our approach what should be our perspective looking from the outside looking in on this and how how should we respond yeah uh, absolutely. We we need to respond with a Christian perspective and a Christian mm-hmm. way that, you know, Jesus teaches us in the Bible. Um, I'll say first, you know, like wars, wars don't have any winners. They just one side loses less than the other side. Right. So mm-hmm. whenever there's a war, um, it's it, it's kind of hard to pinpoint, um, you know, who's right, who's not or whatever. But uh, whatever it may be, our response always has to come. Uh, from scripture. It always has to come from the example that Jesus gave to us, right? Um, We always have to look at the, open up the word and think to ourselves, what is going on here, right? Because that's the way that God speaks to us. You know, he he speaks to us too through his word, through revelation. um, And we need to be attentive to what he's speaking to us, right? Um, we have to understand first and foremost, though, and, and we've alluded to this uh, in the, in this conversation. The whole point why this is happening, uh, we kind of said in like this worldly perspective, like globalists and nationalists and Ukrainians, Russians, whatever. There's one sole purpose that the devil wants to do, and is that and that's to divide people. Mm-hmm. That is what is really spiritually going on here. I'll give you an example. A lot of people get pretty passionate, as we said, about this whole conflict, Ukraine and Russia and all this stuff. Uh, I, I, I know some people personally. I mean, like I said, I have, I have a lot of you know Slavic friends uh, and I see them posting a lot about this. And, you know, that's fine. I, I have family in Kiev. Right. 
I have family in Kiev. I know what it's like, uh, not personally, but of what they tell me of, of, of what's going on there. It, it's a scary thing. You know, I, it's not something that I had to live through or have to live through now. Um, but you know, it's it it's I, I can't imagine their situation, right? It's 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 not an easy thing. Um, one part of my family, I had to actually ha- escape from Kiev. Uh, they uh, they left the city about uh, the first day that the war started. Uh, it's like the twenty fourth or something like that, or the twenty fifth. Uh, and they fled to the part of uh, Ukraine where my dad's from, uh, and they made it there. And they're safe as of right now, but they still have some other family that's in Kiev at the moment. Um, and what's going to happen to them? I, I, I don't know. You, you see a lot of people, uh, civilians, innocent people, you know, dead uh, soldiers as well. A lot of destruction. Um, it's it's a it's a terrible and sad thing. But we have to understand that this is all meant to divide us. I had a friend actually. Uh, I had posted something on Instagram, something about uh, we need to understand what our real purpose is here in life and. You know, the atrocities that are happening are bad. Um, it wasn't really, it was just kind of like a, a, a down the road, neutral thing, just, you know, talking about something spiritually, right? Um, I know I noticed after that, because um, I wanted to ask her, like, you know, like, oh, like, what's going on with this Ukraine thing? Because she, she she's Ukraine, she had family in Ukraine too, um, that she kind of, as we said, ostracized me, um, basically, you know, like, unfollowed uh, didn't want to talk to me, just kind of like, just cut me off. And I tried to understand what was going on with this. Right. And, and the thing is, this person is, is Christian too. Right. Like I, I know this person is a Christian, you know, they go get, they actually, they go to church. I don't know exactly what the status or condition of their heart is obviously, but, um, from their actions, you know, it seems like, you know, they are, but it's like, we've been, we've been so like, and I've had conversations previously with this person and uh, basically because I was Russian speaking, uh, there have been times uh, basically where this person didn't want to talk to me or basically thought I was a uh, an ally of the Russian government and all this. And I'm like, listen, the only reason I speak Russian is because of the Soviet Union. And that's what my parents learned when they were growing up. And that's what they taught us, right? It's like, it's not like I was, I chose to speak it. And that's, Kind of another thing, like none of us really chose to be of this heritage. You didn't choose to be Romanian, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't choose to be born in America with Ukrainian heritage. I didn't choose that. If I did, then yeah, I could be prideful in that. But I see so many Christians just, just at least from you know the the Ukrainian and Russian side, both of them falling into this just this whole this trap of being so prideful and thinking this is what we stand for. This is our country. And this is, I'm like, yeah, I mean that that's your heritage, but you didn't pick it. Right. You could have been born in Australia or, or Kenya of all places. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. why do we, why do we divide ourselves and basically giving in to, to, to the desires and the wills of the devil? That's exactly what he wants us to do. He wants to divide people and that's not how we should be reacting as Christians, right? Uh, Psalm 133, actually, my good friend, friend uh, Phil Jancic, uh actually mentioned this uh, when we were in uh, Seattle for, for a wedding last weekend. Um, 
He read this passage from Psalm 133.1. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in union, in unity. We need to unify as the body of Christ. Because I, I don't know about you, but the things that are going on right now, it doesn't look good. And it's probably only going to get worse. So if we unify ourselves and with one common goal, uh, that's what's going to keep us strong. And you know, these things that have been happening with COVID and now this, this war and all this, this, everything is done in order to divide people, in order to divide them from their common shared goals uh, and, and beliefs in order to, to get them to get to this collective, like, like we said, globalist uh, agenda. You know, it's funny, everything that God does and, and Jesus does, you notice Satan does the complete opposite. It's the same, yeah. but it's opposite, right? You have Christ and you have the Antichrist, right? You know, Satan knows the, the Bible pretty well, but everything that he says is just flipped, right? So, in, in fact, he's actually not even getting you to divide. He He's unifying you, but for the wrong reasons. He's mm -hmm. unifying you for the sole purpose in order to do the bidding of the of the powers of darkness, I, I, I just, point, you yeah. know, that, yeah, that, that came to me and I'm just like, wow, like, yeah, yeah. It's in, in terms of, of, uh, of Christianity and spiritual things. And we're, we're, we're being disunified, but in fact, we're being unified towards a different purpose, a different goal that God does not want us to be a part of. And, it, and, and, it, and it's just crazy. You know, I, I think of the, the passage too, Psalm 20 verses seven to nine. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of our Lord. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and, and stand upright. Save, Lord, may the king answer us when we call. If there's anything we learn from this situation, this crisis that's going on right now, it's to understand that no chariots, no horses, no powers, no authorities is going to save you. You see all these countries in the, in the West, uh, people are asking like, why is this happening? Why is this going on? Like, uh, why is the West interfering? Why is the U.S. interfering? Because they're being controlled and influenced by the powers of darkness. You can't mm -hmm. trust in those people. You know, I saw that reporter. That was actually, uh, if there's a video of Boris Johnson, and there's this, like, lady reporter, reporter, like, yelling at him, like, saying, like, our people are dying, which, in fact, she was considered to be a reporter, but she's actually uh, an activist of the WEF. Uh, so go figure. Oh. So yeah. <laughs> that, it, there's been a lot of like misinformation in, in, in the situation too, which is something that we need to be careful of. Um, and I don't want to get into, I'm sure, you know, people know whatever with pictures and all this stuff, you know, uh, but and anyway, the, a lot of people are, are crying out and saying like, why is, why aren't they stepping in? And it's like, do we not understand at least as Christians, like, listen, there's no one, no one is, is, is looking out for your will well-being like nobody really cares about you except god except the creator of the universe who created you and wants to save your soul you know and basically uh give repentance to everyone on this earth right that's the only thing that's going to save you call upon my name and you will be saved right i i think that's the number one thing we have to recognize and, and understand today's uh in in, in this situation today uh so th th that's our response you know like like not to not to divide ourselves, you know, 
not to think of like, oh, these Russians or, you know, it's easy to point fingers at this government, this guy, uh, even people who are Russian speaking, right? Uh, there are people who told me, Christians and non-Christians like, that I'm a traitor for speaking Russian. <laughs> and I'm like, how does that even make sense? I'm like, again, I speak Russian because of the Soviet Union, how my parents grazed me, right? And it's like, it's it's this pride that has just been so so engraved in the hearts of of people and the hearts of man, right? It's not just you know Ukrainians, you know that's what I see, or or Russians for that matter. But that's that's human nature by and large, right? I remember uh, somebody was given this example. I heard uh, in one war, in a single war, twenty five percent of the population was killed on the planet. There was one war where. 25% of in the entire population was killed. You want to know what war that was? I, I didn't I didn't get that right. I, I when I heard this, I was thinking to myself, it was the very first war when Cain killed Abel. <laughs> yeah. Twenty-five percent of the world was killed at that point because of uh because of pride, uh, because of deception, um, be, because of all these other things. And I'm just thinking like the first family that God had created, these were the children of the first parents and one brother killed another brother. Um, ever since the beginning, evil has penetrated the hearts of man, right? And it's a continual battle to understand that. And like I said, not uh, not allow that emotion because that's how the devil affects people, right? That's how he gets to people's emotions and think about that and understand like, this is really what's happening, you know? And all these things can be true. Like, you know, people killing... Uh, innocent people and all these, you know, agenda that's happening, all of that can be true. Yes. All at the same time. But our, our, our duties as Christians is to spread the gospel, whether you're the enemy or you're not the enemy. We have to pray for the people. We have to pray for the innocent people and the people who are doing the harm at the same time. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that, that's our response. And I just want people to understand that. Yeah, I love what you said about the the unifying factor, how, because it, you can't, when it comes to the, the, the devil, we know he's he's very cunning, right? He's not, he's not just 100%, he is chaotic, but he, he's, he's a, he's a organized chaos and order, right. how, how he likes to operate. And he's not going to just pin people against each other, because obviously, you're not going to, you're not going to build an army like that. You need to build an army. If, if God's going to have his army he wants to build his own army even though he's right. already lost mm-hmm. uh but it's true they are unified for matters of darkness and they're they're so deceived and we know this from scripture that they're so deceived that they'll think that this facade of a globalist economy and globalist agenda is unity and they're gonna say hey yep. unity is good uh christians like unity they're, aren't they supposed to be united why aren't they wanting to unite with us? They're hypocrites. They're a cult. They're this. And that's and they're going to turn it against us. But again, it's not them. It's them being blinded by their own sin, their own hatred, by the by the forces of darkness. Um, you know, we know in Ephesians 6, right? For our battle is not against flesh and blood, flesh and blood but yeah. all all these all these spiritual entities, right, that are that are fighting against each other and the ones that are influencing these um, political leaders to make these certain decisions. So it's really interesting to kind of see it from that perspective, because yeah. like you said, our our goal on this earth, 
regardless of what is happening. I mean, we've had we've been commissioned what two thousand years ago. We had we had God's original commission uh, to man when He created them in Genesis to mm-hmm. what be fruitful and multiply oh, and go boy. all over the earth and have dominion over the the creatures of the earth. The 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 second great commission. Um, obviously, there was a lot of laws over, the, and, and God spoke a lot in between then. But the second great commission happened in Matthew twenty-eight when Jesus, the Son of God, tells his disciples to go out to the ends of the earth. Again, very similar to God telling man to go to the ends of the earth mm. uh, and have domain. Go out to the ends of the earth and what? Baptize and make disciples to essentially preach the gospel. Now, since then, since two thousand two thousand years ago until today. Regardless of what we've been through, a catastrophic. We've had, I mean, we had uh, the Black Death in the thirteen in the Middle yeah. Ages. We mm-hmm. had the the Spanish influenza a hundred years mm-hmm. ago that that was even more catastrophic than what we had this past two years. We've had we had wars upon wars, but our mission has not changed right in the last two thousand years. Regardless of what happens, getting too involved in politics. Yeah, we have a few. Christians involved in politics to protect the rights of mm-hmm. of churchgoers and the rights right. of Christian people. That's that's great. That's phenomenal. But us getting too involved and diving into deep, that's not going to help anyone. We still have the same mission. We still have the same goal. And you brought this up. We got to continue to pray. We got to help and give financially if we can. Uh, I know there mm-hmm. are certain uh, churches and organizations that we know uh, that I know personally through social media, and I'm sure all of you guys have seen them too, yeah. where you can contribute in that way. You can contribute through your prayers and then contributing by continuing to preach the gospel because at the end of the day, yes, there's going to be collateral damage. There are going to be Christians who are going to be a part of that collateral damage and unfortunately may, may die as a result of it, but they're going to be in heaven with our Lord and Savior. Yeah. And and there's a lot of people on this earth who are still hellbound, who still need to hear the gospel, who still still need Absolutely. to believe, and that should be our goal and our outlook going forward. And it should not deter us, regardless of what's happening. Um, they're going to continue to want to, sh- to. They're going to continue to shut us down. They're going to want to shut us down. But you know, until death, we need to be preaching Christ from our lips, right. and that's that's the important thing to look at. Yeah, I I I think those are great points uh, that you made. Uh, and, and just kind of as a support of that, like you, you look at Jesus and how he uh, reacted to political things, right? Because the time that he was living in was very political as well, right? Mm-hmm. G- yeah. G- Jesus never said, I stand with the Jewish people against the tyrannical r- uh, rule of Rome. He never publicly said, said that. Because why? That's exactly what the Pharisees wanted. They were looking for a Messiah to save them from the Roman rule, right? That was their idea of the Messiah. At the same time, Jesus never gave a pass to the Romans for the evil actions against the Jewish people, right? We had, he had to uh, uh, basically saying that everyone is in need of repentance. Uh, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God, no matter what, what race or nationality, right? You are. And mm-hmm. Paul writes um, later in Galatians, uh, right? There is now neither no, uh, neither, uh, Gentile or Jew, right? For you all, how yeah, have believed in female, Christ, yeah. male and female, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Uh, but what w- what was Jesus's response to that? John chapter twelve, verses thirty four and thirty five. Before w- when we read that, actually in our Slavic uh, community, we read uh, John. Uh, it's actually John chapter thirteen, I believe. Uh, before we do communion service and we and we wash our feet, we read that at, uh, every single time um, uh, before we go into that, you know, sacrament. Uh, and basically, that's when Jesus was washing his feet, and the, the 
washing the feet of the disciples. And at the end of it, in verses 34 and 35, it says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. And how has Jesus loved us? That he gave us eternal life, that he has gave us salvation, John chapter you know, 316, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. So you must love one another. And by this, you will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, right? Jesus gave also gave two commands, right? Lord, uh, Lord, the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second, to love your neighbor as yourself, right? So if you do all these things, if you are my disciples, if you love one another, right? Um, and kind of like you said about uh, um, uh, there's there's actually been a, a prophecy. Actually, uh, there are many different prophecies that are happening in like these uh, in in the situation Ukraine and Russia right now, uh, and there's actually one town uh, that my mom was just talking to me today about, actually, uh, in a place called Uman, which is in the Chirhas Oblast, which is uh, basically state. Uh, it's like a Judetz, uh, I believe, in Romania, but basically province or state. Uh, basically, it's just south of Kiev. Uh, I don't know what it is, like maybe 150 kilometers or something. But in that town, uh, when they started bombing, um, when the Russians started to, you know, bombing, and uh, destroying all the buildings. What is so interesting is that every single every single Christian that was in that town, none of their houses got destroyed. Every, the Christians that went to church in that town, all the other wow. uh, the other uh, buildings and other people's towns, they got destroyed, but the Christians did not. And they all had food uh, in their house saved up in the basement. And in one of the prophecies, God said to to not get involved in the political things or the worldly things, but to turn to him because he has heard the cry uh, of the prayers of people in Ukraine. Right. And 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 that's why we shouldn't be we, we shouldn't get too involved in in all these, you know, political things and seeing like, well, you know, you're this nationality, you're that nationality. Uh, we have to understand that, like you said, our one true purpose in life is to want to glorify God. That's our number one purpose and to spread the gospel and the good news. Mm -hmm. And I do want to make a disclaimer because yeah, like you just said, our number one priority should be serving God and glorifying him and spreading the gospel. Yeah. Uh, but we're not saying here to completely abstain from your, uh, your role right. within the government, within politics as we yeah. do have, we do have some leeway. We do have certain responsibilities that were granted. If you want to, uh, we, you, I mean, we could reference Romans 13, where, mm -hmm. where Paul talks to us about that. And it, it's it's important to get involved. It's important to vote, um, regardless of who's being promoted, just so we can vote for the policies that that not only protect us, but are, are a better, more suitable environment to spread the gospel. So we're not saying that. We're just saying that don't get so caught up into it where it's taking over your your time and your priority and it's deterring you from what you've been called to here on this earth uh, because we have a very limited amount of time on this earth and you're you're not on here by accident there's no coincidence when it comes to god you you have a purpose and you're here put on this planet for a purpose at this exact time to do what he's called you to do but at the same time we do have certain obligations that we can use as long as it doesn't um I would say overstep into our uh, into our primary calling, but Misha, as we're wrapping this episode up, I know we kind of focus on the spiritual aspect um, in the second part over here mm -hmm. on on how we as Christians should respond 
to such a conflict as this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it, if there's a kind of like a final statement you want to make to the people out there? Um, I was about to say, you know, Jew or Gentile or like Ukrainian, Russian, uh, mm-hmm. Christian, non-Christian, um, that, that kind of sets things in motion or maybe kind of gives them a clear perspective on what's truly happening and what sh- we should truly do, especially as Christians. What would that statement be? Uh, well, I, I've been thinking, um, if, if, if you're familiar with this, there's this one, I'll give you my statement in a second, but, uh, there was this girl actually on, on Instagram. That's kind of, that was documenting basically her, uh, her illness, uh, oh, Brooklyn, the, the Brooklyn girl, right? Brooklyn yeah. speaks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. She passed away a couple of days ago, actually from, uh, some sort of autoimmune disease that you had, I think it's something called like Tim Ellers or something like that syndrome. Um, but basically I, you know, I, I've, I've, I was reading through her posts and just the encouragement that she gives, like even on her deathbed, you know, like basically like finishing, finishing the, the good fight till the end, you know? And I, and I was thinking to myself, like, all these things that are happening, right? No one knows what our future is going to be, right? Like, we don't know when we're going to die. Like, literally, tomorrow could be my last day on this earth. I I, I don't know, right? Um, and I have to understand, basically, and in, in the perspective of all of this, like, I would rather die for Christ than for a country. Mm-hmm. I'd rather die for Christ than Romania, Ukraine, or Russia, right? Like, when we put things in that perspective, automatically your you, the parad- your paradigm shifts, right? Your, your 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 desires, your actions, your motivations, it all changes. And so that that's probably the statement I would give. It's not I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's a super encouraging one, but honestly, that's you know that's what Paul writes. Like you know, fight the f- good fight until the end, right? Like to me, die uh, to die is game, but to live is Christ. You know, he wrote that uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Christ was the same way. He died for our sins, right? And honestly, I I believe as time moves on more and more and more, I think we're going to be seeing a lot of more people who are going to be um, or going to be uh, forced into situations that we've never seen before. I I wish I I never do, but. If if there's a if there's a day if there's a time where I have to lay down my life I I pray to God that I have that courage, uh, not because of what I believe my personal uh, uh, beliefs of uh, politics or whatever it's because I've had Christ living in me and I've done my best to fulfill His commandments and and to glorify Him and to spread the gospel. Amen and. As kind of like this final thing, I do want to recite one verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Psalm 86 verse 9 says in the English Standard Version, All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. All the nations, doesn't matter uh, it doesn't matter what country you're from, what, what battle you're fighting. Uh, we know that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Now, that doesn't mm-hmm. mean... The belief that that means every person on this planet, and and by that time it'll be too late. So if you're if you're listening to this and you you don't if you have not uh, and Jesus Christ is not the Lord your Lord and Savior, 
I pray that you just confess his name and truly believe in your heart so that you may be saved. And if you are a Christian and you know people in your life, and you know people who are just so caught up in the politics and that's what that's what uh, steers their life, I pray that you share the same message with them because at the end of the day, we're all God's creation. Uh, his, his own creation cries out glory in his name, his people, nature, and then one day all the nations will come up and worship him and glorify him. So that's something to look forward to. And Misha, thank you so much for being on here. Like I said, so last minute, but I think as far as information goes, this is one of the most informational episodes we've had. And I think it really shines light on what's happening, not only right now, not only what happened in the last two years, but what's, what's forthcoming, what's, what's, what's going to happen going forward and how we as Christians should prepare ourselves looking forward. So thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on, man. And if people want to find you on, uh, on social media, where can they find you to, to say nice things to you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I hope it's all nice things. Uh, but yeah, I'm on Instagram. Uh, my uh, my handle is Mike, my first Mike, and then Gnady, uh, which is the first uh, four, one, two, uh, five letters of my last name. So G-N-A-T-Y, Mike Gnady. Um, so yeah, you can find me on there. And I'll definitely tag you on the post over there. So thank you. And thank you all, you listeners out there for tuning in and listening. I hope this uh, kind of taking this direction obviously not every episode is going to be like this where it's going to be about what's currently happening because uh you know i'm not charlie kirk or i'm not ben shapiro i can't i can't just do that um but thank you guys for tuning in i really appreciate it hopefully this was enlightening and and uh just informational for you guys out there hopefully it wasn't too polarizing where it kind of stirred up some negative emotions but i do hope it was beneficial in that way so thank you guys for tuning in Uh, again our Instagram at the Potter's House is where you can find us for any and all information, streaming platforms, most notably Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's where you can find us. And uh, if you do have that Apple Podcast app, that purple icon on your iPhone, please go to that. Tap the stars. It, leaves, it really helps with the exposure of the show. And you can leave a written review too as well. And I will read that out loud. Again, new feature since December 2021. Spotify also has the five stars option. So if you can go to that Even if you already left the five stars previously, go to that. Tap the five stars. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Thank you for tuning in again, and we will see you next time.